0: welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of on 1037 The Buzz, which you can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037 The Buzz, as well as on 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend staying indoors, staying quarantined. Maybe some of you uh, were able to get out a little bit, but uh, we're entering into the second week of this craziness, this pandemic where... Essentially, more and more news comes out, but uh, I'm trying to do—I know I'm trying to do my best of staying as uh, socially distant as I possibly can, you know, washing the hands, and uh, vitamin C, and all that fun stuff. So, I'm trying to make it through it, just the best I can. I know all of you are doing the same thing. It's a trying time for all of us, uh, but uh, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. I still feel good about it that this is uh, going to subside here very soon. I'm being hopeful. I'm being optimistic. Many people think I'm dumb for being that, but that's okay. It's the way I'm choosing to view it. But uh, anyways, I hope everybody is finding some sort of entertainment, some sort of way to be able to keep yourself busy and occupied with all the craziness going on, that is for sure. Uh, Again, as we mentioned last week, that it's going to be a little difficult when there's not really much going on in Razorback Land to talk about some of the stuff going on in Razorback Land. I know that a few coaches met for teleconferences last week. Uh, Sam Pittman, uh, Dave Van Horn, as well as uh, Eric Musselman. There was a few of those. But, you know, there wasn't anything groundbreaking or changing in any of those. Just more kind of all coaches just trying to do what they're trying to do and how they do it and dealing with pretty much everything. It's it's not an easy time for anybody, but especially coaches as well. But speaking of coaches, it was funny because when I was – saying that if anybody wanted me to do a top five list, top ten list of whatever, because that's kind of what a few of these podcasts have been so far, uh, I wanted to know what you wanted, what kind of list you wanted me to do, and what uh, my opinions on it. Last week I did like the top five most memorable games just for me, for my own personal opinion, uh, for various reasons, and they got a great response, so I decided to uh, continue that on. And I thought it really interesting one that one of you... Uh, decided to submit into me was the top five football coaches in Razorback history. Which, when I started thinking about it, it's like, well, it's not going to be too difficult to, you know, go through and say, all right, well, this coach obviously was the best, and this coach was obviously the second best. I mean, it, it just doesn't seem like it would be too much of a of a leap of faith or of a controversial opinion at least. But when I started doing more research on it, and I started talking to people about it as well, then I started to realize, I'm like, this actually is not as easy as I thought. And maybe my opinion on some of these matters are a little more controversial, if you will, uh, because of my reasonings behind it. So I was going to go ahead and give you that top five list and kind of just go through it all. And, uh, you know, I I think that, um, for obvious reasons, during this time of, of football, spring practice supposed to be going on. People got some football in the mind, maybe some college basketball as well. But uh, the coaching one, I wanted wanted to dive into and kind of go into more in depth analysis of why I think certain coaches are ranked of other coaches. And I know that you guys are probably going to have some controversial opinions about it as well maybe you completely disagree with me and that's fine that's totally fine in fact that's what I want I want you guys to uh, have different opinions of me because that makes for the greatest discussion and makes you think but you know when I'm looking at the five best Razorback football coaches I think that everything has to be considered so just stay with me on a few of these things Uh, I think that some of them will be obvious but some of them maybe not but number five I'll start out and we'll go through the countdown if you will Number five is a coach that I give a lot of crap to, and that's Houston Nutt. Uh, He's a coach that I was never really a big fan of. I felt like he constantly underachieved with the amount of insane talent that he had. I felt like he let his own ego get in the way of the success of the program. Many times, many times he did that. I felt like there were so many different occasions that could have led to something greater where I'm like, man, you have, so, you have it all. You have the greatest setup you could have in Razorback football history to be successful. And for various reasons, he could never get over that hump. 10 years is a long time for a coach to be at one school. It's how long he was at Arkansas. And I'm not saying that everything was bad, but it just, when I look, I look at it from a different viewpoint. Some of you may look at back at the times of Houston and yearn for them because of how bad things are right now over the past few years, which I understand, and I get that. But to me, I look back on it as what could have been, what should have been. Because, listen, it's fine to go 8-4. and four. It's fine to go 9-3. and three. It's fine to go 7-5 and five on occasion. But when you had teams that should have been greater than that, better than that, that's where I really start to come into play of, like, this should have never happened. Like, for instance, Arkansas in 2007 in his final year should have been a team that was at least competing for the SEC West title. Uh, maybe you shouldn't even won the SEC title. SEC West title, I should say, the division title. Go play for the SEC championship game. They should have done that that year, but they didn't. Um, even in 06, they should have been that team, but they weren't. Uh, in 2000, I felt like in 2003, um, that season where you had, uh, it was Matt Jones and they went down to Texas and beat Texas in Austin, but then went on to go 0 for October. That team should have been a team that competed uh, for an SEC West title. You know, I, I think back to those times and those seasons where there was just a litany of talent, but just unable to put it all together and win some of the games that you should have won easily. Always seems like you could get up for the big games, but you could never find the consistency in the games that weren't as consequential. So that was my frustrations with Nut, but he, he had a great, as far as comparatively speaking, he had a great run. Um, he had a lot of moments where he, you know, obviously, went to the SEC championship game, and and you know it sums it up me up too that just looking at the way Houston Nut approaches it, it's like. If you heard him on CBS Sports, they were talking about, hey, you know, Arkansas, hey, coach, didn't you go to the SEC championship game or win the SEC West once at Arkansas? And he goes, looks at the camp, looks at him and goes, three times, three times I won it. And he talked about how great that was. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But first off, one of those, you didn't win the SEC West. I'm sorry, if you don't play in the SEC championship game, then you didn't win the West. And in 98, you didn't win the West. Mississippi State did. Sorry, doesn't count. The other time is because you were on, uh, I believe it was Auburn or it was in Alabama. I can't remember. The one time they played uh, Georgia in the SC Championship was one of those two teams were on probation. Couldn't go to postseason. I think it was Alabama. And uh, you you ended up uh, going by default because they couldn't go. And then another one was, of course, outright, which when you did deserve to win. But it's just stuff like that where I'm like, man, you know, you should have been better than that. You should have been greater than that. But he still had a good run. He still had some success. And, and I felt like. Uh, that was that was about as uh, that was about as good as you could ask during that time. But it was time to move on from Houston Nut. That is for sure. Uh, and, and fourth, I have uh, Ken Hatfield because Ken Hatfield, during a stretch too, as far as the percentage wise goes, he has the best winning percentage of any Razorback football coach, uh, which obviously puts you in the conversation of being one of the greats. But the problem with Ken Hatfield, and again, I wasn't around. I wasn't old enough to really remember the, that era but just doing the research that I did and watching some film and talking to some people. The problem with the Ken Hatfield era was that uh, you had a great seasons as far as wins and losses. You won the Southwest Conference a few times, but you would, one, you'd always lose your bowl games, and you would always win games in a very boring fashion. Now, I know that's kind of counterproductive to say, well, if you win, can it really be boring? Yeah, it can be. If you're winning, that's fine, but Arkansas during that time, you know, they'd win games 14 to 10 or 14 to 13, 17 to 10, and it was just a very boring methodical way and some fans got tired of it. Uh, but also there was the disconnect between him and Frank and, and you know, the the people were many fans were wanting him to stay. But he didn't. He went on to move on to Clemson, and it, you could tell the frustrations that he had being the Razorback football coach uh, were setting in. So it was just a very weird time, but he was a, he was an incredible coach and obviously was able to take over uh, after Lou Holtz and, and put the plays in motion and to make it worthwhile and wait where it all worked out. And it, it was a good, solid move for him to move on to Clemson because – you know there was just a lot of controversy and things surrounding Ken Hatfield that fans that there was fans there was Frank there was just a lot of a lot of disconnects and a lot of lack of communication there between everybody and, the, and all the parties. So if you haven't looked at the story, check that out. It's pretty fascinating. But Ken Hatfield uh, is my fourth best razorback football coach of all time and I'll start to give you the rest of those here on the other side of the break. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, going into my third best coach in Razorback football history, I'm going to go with a Hall of Fame coach for many different stops that he had, and that is Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz is a coach that stepped in after Frank Broyles had finally stepped down as Razorback football coach, head football coach. And Arkansas had gotten him from the New York Jets, actually. Lou Holtz did. And he was not a very successful NFL coach. It was kind of lame because he did not fit in New York. He was trying to come up with like a fight song for the Jets to make it more of that college feel to them. But it was not working out at all. It was a very, very bad disaster. So Arkansas swooped in and got Lou Holtz from one of his, uh, I think it was after just his first season with the Jets. And in his first season with the Razorbacks, they exploded. I mean, they really took off. Um, Not only did you have some of the most memorable players from that era of Lou Holtz, but one of the most memorable seasons slash games that Arkansas has had, at least uh, in quite some time, when they went on to win the Orange Bowl in 1978-79 and and then ended up smoking Oklahoma in that game, finishing 12-1. and as good of a season as you could have without winning the national championship uh, in most people's minds. And it was very memorable back then. But unfortunately, that what came with some of the greatness, there was also some down years with Lou Holtz as the Arkansas football coach. And you know there were times where it seemed like he didn't really want to be there. There were uh, issues with the in-state recruiting and the in-state high school coaches that the relationship wasn't very strong there. There were things where Frank was wanting Lou to do certain things or not do certain things and Lou was going to do it the way he wanted to do it and so it, it, all, it always had this feel and I always talked to my dad about this because again this was before my time but it always had this feel that Lou Holtz was not a lifer in Arkansas. He was not going to be a guy that, that stuck around forever. He was more you, wanting to Go go along with this, and then move on. If something else came up, uh, there was the, the the Frank angle where there was problems there, and the fans were getting tired of not finding any sort of consistency in the team and and being competitive against uh, some of the teams, especially going up against Texas. You know, there there were a lot of issues there too. But again, he had some of the greatest seasons that you'll ever had. You know, a lot of the uh, most memorable time, like Arkansas being number one in the country during Holtz having their um their team and I guess it was Lou himself and Ron Calcagney on the cover of Sports Illustrated you know there was a lot of great moments that came along with that but unfortunately it just did not go the well the way according to plan for many people and then you know Frank fired Lou and then Lou went on to Minnesota for a bit went to Notre Dame won a national championship rest is history hall of fame coach one of the great coaches of all time But uh, unfortunately for Arkansas, it was just one of those things I didn't feel like it was ever going to last as long as what many people thought and was hoping it actually would. Uh, Now, my second, I think if you're just doing the logic deduction here, you're going to know who the second best coach in Razorback history was, according to me. And that is Bobby Petrino. Now, stay with me, folks. A lot of you, I probably lost you here. But just stay with me. This is not recency bias or anything like that because I've really tried to go through all of the research I could and to check it out for all the reasons that I could and here's the here's some of the reasons why I believe Bobby Petrino is was has been the second best Razorback football coach of all time and it's not necessarily just because of him it's about what happened around him where essentially Arkansas during that era of Bobby Petrino played in the SEC, where the SEC, in my opinion, was at its peak. It was at its pinnacle of competitiveness, where it, they were so far and away from every other conference. And in the case of, for instance, the division and the SEC West that Arkansas played in was just monsters. I mean, it was a monster division, and it still is today. I know that AM's not in it, or wasn't in it then like it is now, but just think about during that time of what the SEC looked like. You had Arkansas which was, of course was a, was a good team. But you had Nick Saban in Alabama. You had Auburn who had the Cam Newton year. I'm not going to say Gene Chizik was a good coach, but still they were a competent team, but they had the championship year there with Cam Newton. You had Dan Mullen at Mississippi State. <laughs> you had Houston Nutt at Ole Miss, but that was a that was a failure. Uh you had Les Miles at LSU which he was, that was, again, probably his prime when he had some of his best teams during that era. Arkansas beat one of them. I guess beat two of them that were pretty good. But still, Arkansas had uh, success against LSU. And so that, that was the division just alone. And then if you look at the East, you still had uh, guys like Steve Spurrier at South Carolina. You had Mark Rick at Georgia. You had Urban Meyer at Florida. You had James Franklin at Vanderbilt, which he was a phenomenal coach, and we see the results of him, so a great coach there. Uh, You still had, I know Derek Dewey at Tennessee doesn't really count, so he was pretty bad, but Joker Phillips at Kentucky was pretty bad too. But still, the point is is that you had the conference that was at its all-time peak and its all-time pinnacle. Bobby Petrino also got very fortunate to have a lot of in-state talent that all came together at once. He was able to wrap it around it, not only get some of those great receivers to come in and the tight ends, but then have quarterback play where he was set up for the future. Like, people forget, he had Brandon Allen coming in and then Austin Allen. And Brandon Allen and Austin Allen, under Bobby Petrino's system, there's no telling how good that would have looked and how amazing that would have been if it all worked out. But... He, again, it goes back to Bobby Petrino, had two of the best seasons, back-to-back years that you could have as a coach and, and in the SEC. Uh, he had the mo- some of the most memorable games. There was comebacks. There was clutch plays. There were great moments. There were uh, national relevance. You finished top five in the country. It, it was just a great, great feeling to be around, and, and Bobby Petrino did all those things. And I think he was going to be at Arkansas for as long as he possibly could, uh, assuming that everything went according to plan, which uh, we all know that it didn't. So either way, uh, it it was just I had to give him that credit because of when he did it and how he did it when uh, during a time where it was as tough as it ever could be especially in the SEC and especially the division. So I know people are going to be controversial and or say that's stupid, but that's fine. And, of course, finally, this one's so obvious, I don't even need to go into most, most depth. My number one coach is Frank Broyles. Uh, Frank is the GOAT. Uh, he is what, what put Arkansas on the map. He is, there's a reason why there's an award named the Broyles Award for him and after him because of the amount of assistant coaches that were so highly successful under him. Uh, guys like you know I, I mean we could just sit your name all of them but you know guys like a uh, Barry Switzer who coached under him is, is one of the ones that of course pops up and we know that uh, Jimmy Johnson uh, had the connections there he ended up being the phenomenal coach that he was uh, I mean there's just so many names that you could throw on that list of great coaches that under Frank ended up being highly successful I mean there was a reason why it's because he was phenomenal at managing, at overlooking, at putting guys in position to be successful, which is honestly, and the attention to detail too, which is honestly what makes great coaches great coaches, is having that skill, that ability to maneuver and to work and to overcome and to adjust to make your teams and your seasons highly successful. So, you know, Frank Brawls is the goat when it comes to Razorback football coaches. That one cannot be argued. That one cannot be looked at as controversial i'm sorry but telling you that was just an easy one to name is number one you are locked on razorbacks your daily arkansas razorbacks podcast well, appreciate everybody listening in to the locked on razorbacks podcast be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on itunes and on google play you can also get after me on twitter at buzz john Neighbors. for any questions comments concerns you may have Keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. Tomorrow afternoon, have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.